Everybody say what? Amen for that. Praising God in song. Thank you for sharing. It's good that we serve a, a great God. We can sing praises to God. Um, sometimes we feel like we don't want to. Maybe sometimes we want to just be selfish and be like, I don't want to praise anybody right now. But today is a great day to praise God because He's good and He's good to us. So I'm glad to be here. I want to change my hello. I am. I have one written down, but right now it's hello, I'm struggling. Just as you're sitting in your seats, please pray for me right now. God's, you know, I don't know if it was the video thing or not, but that's my hello, I'm struggling. But this passage is going to help because it helped me this week. Let's read our psalm together. Oop, did I? There we go. Remember our psalm 5 8. Can we read this together? On three. One, two, three. Lord, sorry. The preacher's flustered up here. All right. One, two, three. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your path straight before me. I hope that we can pray that as we're listening to the word from James. Just lead us into righteousness. As we're studying James, remember, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously. Clothe yourself with humility, standing on the promises of God who's on our side, who's there to help us, and He's a good, good Father, perfect in all of His ways. And remember, from the, st the study Bible on my shelf, the central theme of James, our faith determines our actions and attitudes. Our faith does that. Our faith determines what we do and how we act and feel. James, a humble servant of Jesus, wrote this letter to believers scattered. And he wrote for us today to do what? To put that faith into practice and encouraging those that hear it to do it. Not just say we have faith, but to actually put it into practice. I said this last week, Gay Byron, an African-American commentator, wrote this, James is a blend of simple yet challenging prescriptions for living the Christian life. You know, the things that James writes, they seem so simple on a piece of paper. But when we read it, it may sound simple, but putting it into practice, practicing it every day, Living out our faith instead of just saying we have faith is what? Challenging. We may say we believe and have faith in Jesus, but sometimes our actions don't say that we have faith and doesn't prove it. Remember what Jesus says. He taught this. He said, the path that leads to life is hard 
and difficult. And only few find it. It's hard. It's hard to live the Christian life, especially in a world today. Pray with me as we get into the book of James today. Oh God, I pray that you would just lead us into your righteousness. Make your path straight before us. Help us to see and notice that you are at work in our own lives and also in our community, our families, our neighbors, the schools around us, the other churches that are meeting right now. Help us to see that you're working and to join you in the work. Not just to say we have faith, but to actually act out our faith and to put it into practice so people can know the love of Jesus and know the heart of Jesus that he came down and died for us. Help us to notice today how you are working. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to this. There we go. Be therefore James chapter 1. If you want to turn in your Bibles there. We're going to do three verses today. I said before we started the series, I don't know how long we're going to be in James. But we might be in here all year. We don't know. But today, three verses. So here we go. James 1, 19 through 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. B. Before we get to the B, look how he starts this section. My dear brothers and sisters, throughout this letter, if you continue to read it all, you will catch this phrase. My dear brothers and sisters, he cares for them deeply. He highly values them. They are precious to his heart. That's why he calls them dear brothers and sisters. I believe this shows extremely deep personal affection toward his fellow believers, followers of Jesus. When we write or talk to other believers, other followers of Jesus, do we highly value them? Are they precious to us? You know, when you write a letter, what do you normally put at the beginning? Dear so-and-so. When we write those words, do we actually mean it? Dear so-and-so. James says, my dear brothers and sisters, he cares for them. He highly values them. But then he says, take note of this. Another translation, I like it, says, post this at all the intersections. Post it wherever you can see it. If you're reading this, James is saying, or listening it to it being read, 
You better be taking notes. You ever hear somebody say that? Write this down. Before you even say it, you tell the person, you need to write this down because it's very important. That's what James is saying here. Take note of it. It's important so you can be reminded every day about it. I write things down sometimes and then it gets misplaced. And then I'm like, what did I write down yesterday? It was very important and I misplaced it. But James wants these people here, followers of Jesus, to take note of this. Understand it. Think about it every day. Everyone should be. That's the next phrase. How many people? Just a few. Everyone. Everyone that's hearing these words should be. There's no follower of Jesus that is exempt from this. They need to hear it. These things are to be present, not absent from the follower of Jesus. And we're going to look at them today. Number one, be quick to listen. Jesus said this during his ministry on earth. Consider carefully how you listen. Don't just listen, but carefully listen to the other person or what's being said. Karen Sheeve, in her book I read while I was doing my chaplaincy at a hospital during seminary, writes this about listening to life stories. She wrote, As pastoral story companions, we find our purpose in listening is not to give advice, solve another's problem, or assign a diagnosis. As we listen to each other, don't try to figure the problem out. Don't try to be thinking of an answer that says, this is how you need to solve your problem. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes, when the other person wants to talk to you, they just want you to listen. They just want you to listen. Be a good listener. The same chaplaincy internship I went into a patient's room. We started talking. We're talking about the world. It was, this was in 2016. We're talking about the world around us, what's going on in it, and all the problems that were there. And I posed a question to this patient. I said, what advice would you give people that could change the world and the problems that are seen? The patient looked at me, responded, listen to people and respect their thoughts and opinions. There are times where we are not quick to listen. We judge, we condemn, or we just close our ears and walk away. We're not quick to listen. We don't want to listen sometimes. You know I like books. Another book on my shelf, Alison Gopnik, in her book, The Gardener and the Carpenter. This is a parenting book, but it's talking about children, but I think it's the same with the family of God. She writes, Giving children the chance to intimately observe what many different people do is the best way to help them learn by looking. Giving children the chance to talk with many different people is the best way to help them learn by listening. I believe this is 
often missed in the body of Christ. We don't want to listen to others. We don't want to listen to what they have to say. You know why? Because we think we have it all figured out. We think our way is the best way, and we don't want to change. Why should we listen? Why? Why should we listen when I have it all figured out already? I know what I believe, so I know what I think, I know what I do, and I don't want to listen right now because you don't have anything good to say to me because I have it all figured out. But why don't we listen? If you visited my office this week, you would have walked through that door and you would have looked at my desk and you would have saw books scattered everywhere. Why do I read so many books? Why do I read so many books by so many different authors? Because I want to engage my listening ears. To engage my listening ears and hear what they have to say. Do I agree with all that they write? No. Do I respect the author who wrote the words I read? Yes. Do they encourage me to be a better listener? You bet. So if you went in my office, many books scattered on my desk. But why do I do that? Because I want to be quick to listen. And that's what we need to do. Be quick to listen. Number two. Be slow to speak. Donald Burdick in his James commentary said, A continual talker cannot hear what anyone else says, and by the same token will not hear what God speaks to them. If you want to go in your Bibles to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 10, this is what the wisdom of Solomon, he writes, Proverbs 10, starting in verse 18, about your speech. Solomon writes, Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. Slow to speak. Are our words choice silver? Do our words nourish many? Do we hold our tongue to listen to the other person and to be careful what we say and be wise? Now, slow to speak doesn't say, doesn't mean just don't talk. It doesn't mean that. The response is the key. How do we respond when somebody says something to us or we read something? How do we respond? The response we give through words must be with wisdom and discernment. A phrase I have said to others before, and you probably heard it, think before you speak. 
Have you heard that one before? Sometimes you want to say that to everybody. Just think before you speak. I had a student one time in Korea. He would just talk, 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 and not have anything good to say. And I always tried to remind him, think before you speak. May the words that come out in response to what we heard be ones of wisdom, discernment, so that it would build the other person up. These thoughts may help you. Ephesians 4.29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Colossians 4.6 Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Psalm 141, verse 3, this can be a short prayer for you as you walk into your workplace, walk into your home, walk into your neighbor's house, walk into the church. This should be a prayer for us every day. Psalm 141, 3, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So what we say will be fruitful, will be beneficial to the hearer. A local minister said this on Thursday, actually. He said this, Have big ears and tight lips. So we're quick to listen. We're slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Another translation says, Do not become angry easily. James explains why we should not become angry. The next verse says, verse 20, Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. In the Vine's Concise Dictionary of the Bible, the definition of righteousness is this. The character or quality of being right or just. It was formally spelled right-wiseness which clearly expresses the meaning. Right wiseness. Are you wise in how you act out certain things? Human anger gets us nowhere, true? When we're angry, it does not get us anywhere. Usually the anger keeps rolling and rolling and gets more mad. You get more angry, more frustrated, more angry, more angry, more angry. It keeps going and going and going. But when things happen to us, things are said to us, let us respond wisely and react in ways that we don't become angry. Whether it's taking a breath, whether it's saying a short prayer in your mind, whether it's maybe stepping back a step, whatever it may be, let us not be ones that just fly off the handle. Do you know people like that? Don't raise your hand, but do you know people like that? That something is said and all of a sudden they're mad, they're angry. And nothing happens. That's good. Be slow to become angry. Again, Donald Burdick says this, anger 
will close the mind to God's truth. If we're angry easily, we're not going to be able to listen to God and the truth that he wants us to know. So be quick to listen. Take time to listen carefully. Slow to speak. Remember, big ears, tight lips from a local minister. And slow to become angry. Don't be one that your names come up and they say, well, that person's not a good listener. They always talk, talk, talk. And they're always angry. Let's not be associated with those things. If somebody says your name and you're not there, what are the other people going to think? Will they say, we miss that person. He's always listening to me. She's always listening to me carefully. They always have wise words to say in response to what I say. They're never angry easily. Are we associated with those three things? You know when you fill out something, you know, you, somebody gives you, you, you know, you go to a meeting or you're looking for a job and they say, what are your good characteristics? You write them down, let us know. What are the characteristics that are you? You know the first thing I always think of for myself? This is not bragging. The first thing I write down or I think of is I'm a good listener. And you know, I've told friends that. I told my, you know, my wife that. I've asked this to people. And they say, yes, Keith, you are a good listener. I love to listen to people. I love stories. So if you need somebody to listen to, you can come to me. I will listen carefully. I've been that way for a long time. Be a good listener. Be slow to speak. Sometimes my words get a little crazy. Just ask my kids. And angry, don't become angry easily. So that's the B. Now we come to the therefore. The last verse today. Therefore. And what is James saying? Just remember what I said. Remember what you've just heard. Because of what you just heard, this is what James urges people to do. Believers and followers of Jesus. Get rid of. Put away. Throw it away. Lay aside. Put out of your life. Get it out. The moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Get rid of those things that are evil and wicked and cause us to be corrupted. We need to just push them aside. If you flip over in your Bibles a couple pages, maybe, or even one, Hebrews chapter 12, one of my favorite sections, verses 1 and 2 say this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, people are watching, cheering us on, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with patience or perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith. What does the author of Hebrews say? When you're running the race, you put aside, 
you throw off everything that's going to hinder you to run the race. And the sin that entangles you, and you know what that easily entangles means? It makes you trip, trips you up, makes you fall. You ever walk along the sidewalk and you trip on the same sidewalk? The same section of that sidewalk? That's what it is. The sin or this thing that just trips you up every single day or week. And the author's there saying, throw it off. Throw it away. James is saying the same thing. Get rid of all this moral filth. Get all the evil that's so prevalent. Get rid of it out of your life. Has anybody run track before, track and field? Raise your hand. I ran one year in college. I was roped into it. I hated running. But my friends were like, come join us. We need one more person on our team. Come on. So I said, okay. And we're practicing in like 40 degree weather. That's cold, right? So what do you have on? Sweatshirts, sweatpants, hat, gloves. And we're practicing in that day. We're running, we're running, we're running. But when it comes to track meet, are you running in the same clothes? Do you run in the sweatpants, the sweatsuit, the hat, the gloves? Yes or no? No, because what's it going to do? Hinder you from running the race that's just set before you in the track and field event. So you throw off everything that doesn't need to be there. You put on your track spikes and your track suit and you go run. That's the same thing here. If we have all this stuff that's weighing us down or easily like entangling us and tripping us up, we're just going to keep falling and falling and falling and not go anywhere. So get rid of all that. It's hard to do. Trust me, it's hard to do. But when we do it, we're going to follow that path that leads to life. Second one. Humbly accept the word planted in you. Humbly, in a manner showing no signs of pride or self-assertion. Listen to this paraphrase I read this week. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word. You've heard it in the past couple weeks. The parable of the sower. Remember, Jesus tells this parable that the sower goes out and throws seed everywhere. And it gets planted in these different soils. Look what it says in Luke chapter 8. So it's also found in Matthew and Mark, but Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower, Jesus says it's falling on all these soils. And look what it says when it falls on the good soil. Hear James saying, humbly accept the word planted in you. Look what it says. Luke 8, 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. So these are people on the good soil. If the word's planted in you, you've heard it, but you retain it. And it produces a crop. 
the other soils, they may hear it, but it quickly gets taken away. The birds come and eat it up. The evil one comes and takes it away. People may put you down and it's like, oh, the cares and the worries of the world make it go away. But humbly accept the word planted in you. Now remember, you see the next phrase in your Bibles there, which can save you. Who is James writing to? Who's he writing to? Followers of Jesus, right? Followers of Jesus. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, if we are followers of Jesus, he's our Lord and Savior. We have been saved by the grace of God. Amen to that, right? We were buried into Christ's death and were raised to what? The old life? We were raised to what? A new, a new life. The old's gone. James writes to believers, my dear brothers and sisters, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. You know what we have? You know what believers have? They have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The Spirit helps us, guides us into truth. And you know what Jesus said to his disciples before he left to go back to where he, to the right hand of the Father? Jesus tells his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And you're going to witness for me, Jesus says. As we humbly accept God's word planted in us and allow the Spirit to transform us and renew our minds, spiritual growth happens. Spiritual growth happens. I hope and pray that you are different than you were last week. I hope you are different than you were 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. 12-year-old Keith, brought out of the water of baptism, is different than 36-year-old Keith standing up here. If you had my 12-year-old self, you'd be like, please, Keith, sit down. But I hope that if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you allow and walk in step with the Spirit. Remember last week as we were walking, sometimes we get ahead of the Holy Spirit. We're like, I don't want you right now. Sometimes we say, oh, I know that's what I should do, but I don't want to do that. I want to do this other thing. I don't want to go talk to that person because they talk too much. Can practice being a good listener, maybe. I don't want to go help that neighbor because they stepped on my lawn and broke my flower bed or something. The Holy Spirit is there to help us and to guide us into truth. I'll go back to my hello I wrote. I said, Hello, I am trusting God. 
leaning not on my own understanding, but acknowledging God and following His paths. That's what I want to do. I want to trust God and follow His paths. But sometimes, we don't want to follow the Spirit. We want to follow our own understanding. Last thing here. Another book I picked up from my shelf. It's one I read way long time ago. I don't even remember when I first read this. But the writer, in his book, to end his book, he says, this is surprised by the voice of God. And the last section, he writes, a costly divorce. No one in the New Testament church would have regarded the above story, a story he said about a lady. They were used to seeing the power of the Word and the Spirit working together. Somewhere along the way, though, the church has encouraged a silent divorce between the Word and the Spirit. Divorces are painful, both for the children and the parents. One parent usually gets custody of the children and the other only gets to visit occasionally. It breaks the hearts of the parents, and the children are usually worse off because of the arrangement. Many in the church today are content to live with only one parent. They live with the Word, and the Spirit only has limited visiting nights or rites. He just gets to see and touch the kids once in a while. Some of his kids don't even recognize him anymore. Some have become afraid of him. Others in the church live with the Spirit and only allow the Word sporadic visits. The Spirit doesn't want to raise the kids without the Word. He can't see how unruly they're becoming, but he won't force them to do what they must choose with their hearts. So the church has become a divided family growing up with separate parents. One set of kids is proud of their education, and the other set of kids is proud of their freedom. Both think they're better than the other. The parents are brokenhearted. Because unlike most divorces, they didn't choose this divorce. Their kids did. The Word and the Spirit have had to both honor and endure that choice. I believe it's so true. People don't follow the Spirit and allow the Spirit to guide them into the truth of God's Word. They may read the Word of God. They may believe the Word of God, but they don't allow the Spirit to change them. They say, oh, that's good. I know that. But the Spirit doesn't work. And some people, they just follow the Spirit. And they don't go to the Word. I see it. I've experienced it. My dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen slow to speak, slow to become angry. Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. I always end with this. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? If not, today's the day of salvation. Today is. Repent of your sins. Confess Jesus as Lord. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then, keep in step with the Spirit and live faithfully unto Jesus, following the paths that are straight before us. 
If you allow them to be straight and follow them, you'll see the straight paths. This good news will cause great joy to all people. The Savior was born. Jesus, the Lord, the Messiah, His name is Jesus because what? He will save His people from their sins. Pray with me today. Oh God, thank you so much for this letter from James. Help us to be people that are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And to get rid of those things that are allowing us to get distracted and tripping us up. And help us to humbly accept the word that is planted in us. To follow the Holy Spirit's leading into truth. Thank you for the hearers today. Thank you that you are with us. Help us to be humble and to accept your word today. And if there's something we need to change, help us to change. And all I can say is thank you for Jesus who has saved his people from their sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.